Sylvie, Rose, JD, Stefan and Sandy, Pastor Murray. I'm just seeing a few on the chat there. God bless everybody. Pastor Murray, see the confirmation that the piano is coming through clearly. We'll get started in just a few moments. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to another, another Sabbath day here coming from Burlington, Ottawa. And I don't know, you probably all know, especially when you live in North America, the weather is not so nice. As I'm speaking here to the camera, I can also see what's happening through my window here. It's just snowing so heavily, so bad. It's been snowing all, all night and it's going to be snowing all day long. We're going to get a lot of snow. But anyway, no matter how cold is it outside, it's always a nice and, and warm welcome to all of you coming from here from Canada. And as you look, as you check the weather, who would believe it? Who would believe it that Passover is only 41 days away? 41 days away till the Passover. And it's such a cold weather. But the spring will come, eventually show up here. So thank you for joining us again. Thank you for being so faithful and coming here and spending the time with us week after week after week. We are very thankful and joyful. Thank you so much. And as we begin, as always, we'll open with the opening prayer. And for that, we'll join Brother Peter Wilcox from Ottawa Congregations, who will do the opening prayer. Happy Sabbath, brethren. Shabbat Shalom. If we bow our heads for a moment in prayer. Abba Father, our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for you, Father, to have you in our lives, the invitation to live with you, Father, is an incredible, awesome uh, journey for each one of us. As we each have our own journey towards you, Father, we are so grateful. We're grateful for this day and it representing the day, the, the millennial rest of when we will all be together in your presence. And we are together today in your presence 
through this message and this fellowship that we may grow in the grace and the knowledge of your way. And for this, we are grateful, grateful and thankful. And Father, we thank you for your word in your, your words and your scripture and that they may comfort the brethren and other people who tune in and hear this message to see that you are in control, Father. Abba, we love you and we worship you today. All this in his name, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peter, for this opening prayer. And next we'll go to the scripture reading. Actually, next we'll go to the hymn. But after the hymn, we'll go to scripture reading. I just wanted to give you a heads up that right after the, the hymn, we'll go to the scripture reading. So if you have a Bible handy or have a Bible close, close by you, just please turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I'll be reading from verse 28 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. But before we go to Isaiah, well, uh, opening hymn, and this will be from page 19 if you have the own physical hymn book. But if you don't have it, don't worry. The words will be projected on the screen. And we'll sing all together the solid rock. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Hast thou, not, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary? 
there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Brother Dylan. It's brother from our congregations here from Burlington. Now, this time, let's just run through some of the announcements very quickly. Uh, Bible study next week, Wednesday, 7.30. I know you all remember, just remember, but just a quick reminder. 7, 7.30, as pastor agent, we'll go back to the book of Isaiah. We'll do the first Isaiah starting this Wednesday. And what a great finish to the last book there, with the last two psalms there. And please join us next week for the Sabbath service at 2.30. We'll be still continuing in this way to to join together for the Sabbath service coming here from Canada at 2.30 at the same time. And this announcement is very important about the social that was already announced here you know, a few weeks in a row. Next week on Sunday, February 21st, around 4, 4 o'clock, our time here, we'll have a social. And I just want to express thanks to all of you who have expressed interest in this activity. And you've been following us for many, many months now. And I will have a chance to put all these faces to the names. So thank you to express your interest. To all of you who have expressed interest and register, I'll send you the info with the details. I'll send you the info either this coming Thursday or Friday. Just be patient. And if you haven't registered, there is still a time available. If you still want to register, please email us at info at cgiburlington.org. Info at cgiburlington.org or you can use direct email assistant for Pastor Murray or Pastor Agent. So that should take care of the announcements for now. And now we'll have a intercessory prayer. And for this, this segment, we'd like to join Pastor Murray, who's going to read all the names and do this intercessory prayer for the, whatever people who need it. Thank you, brother, and happy Sabbath, everyone. We do have some updates and a couple of new prayer requests, so we'll just make our way through here. Um, we've uh, Our brother, Dylan, uh, who gave the uh, scripture reading, you recall he was, suffered some, was suffering from some, some severe back uh, issues. He reports that things he's feeling much, much better, as is uh, one of our brothers from uh, South Texas, RJ. Uh, he's still uh, having some uh, numbness in his fingers, but... Uh, he does not need surgery, so he's appreciative and uh, continues to ask for our prayers. Um, as well as uh, Jennifer Monks, the wife of uh, our MAP candidate over in uh, London, uh, UK. Uh, she had some severe heart palpitations. She's doing much, much better with our, with, uh, and is very grateful for our prayers. Uh, from the Kitchener congregation, Erica Cinco, uh, her, her aunt had some surgery a couple of weeks back. Things are reporting uh, to be uh, looking good there, so we appreciate your prayers for, for that. Uh, but do keep in, in mind uh, Margaret Townsend, our sister from the Ottawa congregation, who's continuing to battle some effects of, of uh, some cancer cells in her throat, as well as our brother Harry from the Woodstock area, who's dealing with uh, the loss of his wife and, and putting his uh, life back together after his wife um, um, 
had died a couple of weeks ago. Our brother Sydney from Nova Scotia uh, continues to um, work away at his his house being rebuilt and um, is uh, without internet, so he's without uh, connections with most people. So he's he's uh, feeling a little bit on the lonely side here right now with his his life sort of not not back together. So continue to keep our brother Sydney a faithful faithful uh, brother from the Nova Scotia area, as well as our brother Alex from Nova Scotia. One uh, additional um, new prayer request, and that is from the Kawartha area, just uh, northeast of Toronto. And that is the husband of one of our sisters there, Violet Campbell. He has kidney cancer and will be having surgery this coming Thursday to remove his, the kidney that's, uh, that's affected by this. So please keep uh, Richard and his wife Violet in your prayers. And one other uh, great piece of, of uh, news, of course, uh, we, we mentioned it last week, but Patrick and Lori Wilcox from the Ottawa congregation had uh, baby boys, twin baby boys, just after Sabbath last uh, Saturday. So Aaron and Caleb are uh, remain in hospital because of their they were born a little bit premature. And so uh, please do keep uh, uh, Lori and the boys in your prayers as they recover from the birth and do share in the joy for Patrick, Lori, and Lori and their, their uh, both sets of grandparents in the Ottawa and Kitchener congregation. We certainly share in their joy. So let us uh, bow our heads now and go to God on behalf of uh, everyone that we've talked about. Father in heaven, and you, Jesus Christ, we are just so humbled to be able to come before your throne together on your Sabbath day, safely in our homes, despite what is going on all around us. We just ask you to accept us before your throne as we come into the Passover season. Please be with us as we as we uh, discern each other, as we, we learn how to love each other. And we do so in part by bringing the prayer requests of our brethren to you. We ask you to hear our prayers. We, we went through so many and, you know, there's, uh, we know of so many more individually that uh, have not publicly gone forth with prayer requests and many are, are battling through, through uh, physical illness and mental illness, uh, anguish during these times of isolation. And we just raise them all up to you, Father, as, as those who, uh, in the faith that they know that prayers of the righteous avail much. And call upon your promises for healing and comfort during this time. But we also know, Father, that that uh, all things work together for good for those who love you. And there may be, be lessons and reasons that we that uh, we can learn and grow through these health trials. So we ask you uh, not just to heal us, but that your will may be done, and that we may we may have the courage and the boldness to walk according to your will through these health trials and. We also thank you immensely for the answered prayers that you that you have given us through through healing, through the arrival of uh, two beautiful baby boys, and we just are so very grateful for all of these blessings. So we come to you now, Father, lifting uh, up all of our brethren in prayer that have made these requests, knowing that you are the great healer, knowing that your will will be done, and we just thank you that you know who we are and that you've revealed yourself to us. We thank you. We put their lives and their their issues in your hands. We lay them at your feet. We thank you for this opportunity to do so together. And we do so in the name of our elder brother, King and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Murray. Your will be done, and his will definitely will be done. 
Now, before we go to the main message today by Pastor Jim French, entitled Seven Keys to Spiritual Renewal, Seven Keys to Spiritual Renewal, we'll have a hymn. So please turn to page 71 or just follow our screen. I surrender all, and after this, we'll go straight to the main message of today by Pastor Jim French. everyone and a special welcome to uh, uh, those that are viewing from all across uh, the world uh, via the internet. Um, uh, if you're interested, uh, I do um, one of my claims to fame is uh, that I make up notes uh, handouts for each of my sermons and the handout for this sermon is available uh, on the CGI Canada website. It's uh, cgicanada.org/new. And it's the only item that uh, exists so far for February 13th. And so uh, if you wanted to uh, follow along with a handout, uh, that's where it's available. Uh, people who know me uh, know that uh, one of the things that I delight in uh, is uh, collecting uh, Bibles, and especially study Bibles. At one point, I had over 300 uh, different Bibles in my collection, 
Uh, and it was at that time that I ended up having a pang of conscience. <laughs> and I realized there's no way um, at this point in my life that I'm going to ever be able to read um, and benefit from those 300 Bibles. And so, um, so one year at the Feast of Tabernacles, I packed up a car with my 300. Actually, had to, a car wouldn't be big enough. I had to get a, an SUV. And I packed it up with uh, it's about 26 boxes of Bibles and uh, took them to the Feast of Tabernacles and gave them out to uh, brethren there. And so um, uh, the intent was uh, to have many people who could benefit from perhaps two or three Bibles uh, and they would be able to uh, make use of them. And uh, again, since then, I, I still continue to, uh, to collect Bibles. And for the purpose of this sermon, because we're coming into the Passover season, I was thinking that the subject of spiritual renewal would be an awesome subject to cover. And I thought I would do a bit of research, and, and sure enough, there's a study Bible that focuses on spiritual renewal. It came out in uh, 1999 uh, as a Zondervan Bible, um, and the Christian uh, Evangelical Christian Publishers Association uh, gave it this particular study Bible, uh, the Gold Medallion, um, for the year 1999. It was the Bible of the year. And again, it's called the Spiritual Renewal Study Bible. And uh, I, I love the tagline that it uses. It says, experience new growth and transformation in your spiritual walk. And who doesn't want new growth and transformation in our walk with God? So uh, I was uh, excited to see um that uh, the subject is covered by a study Bible. Um, uh, again, for those not, not familiar, a study Bible uh, contains all the words of the Bible, but it also includes extra notes that help uh, as, you're, as you're reading. And often study Bibles will also take on a um, specific subject. So one of my favorites is an archaeology study Bible. And so whenever there's a reference to uh, an um uh, a reference in the Bible to something that there's been an archaeological dig or a find. Um, the study Bible will have notes about it. And so it's, it's pretty awesome uh, and faith building to go through a Bible where every time, um, you know, it's mentioning a city, you, you can find a little write up about uh, the archaeological dig that happens at that city. Um, they were able to find the city because, you know, it was right where the Bible said it was going to be. So in the case of the Spiritual Renewal Study Bible, um, it also uses a, a, a one page, there's a paragraph that it, that it uses to cover what it's covering in the, uh, in the concept of spiritual renewal. And it says, using a time-tested process honed over decades of counseling and teaching, uh, Stephen Archerburn employs seven core principles of spiritual renewal and refreshment connecting you more closely with God's spirit through his word and helping you develop the deep, satisfying change you desire in your spiritual life. And that sounds perfect. And so uh, for the message today, we're going to cover these seven keys. And again, as was mentioned last week by Pastor Murray and Pastor Adrian, and mentioned this week by uh, Deacon Jan, the Passover season is approaching. And now is the time for each of us to get ready and to uh, get ready personally, and it's also a time for us as a church to get ready. So, again, 
you know, very often we, you know, just focus on our, ourselves individually. Um, uh, Christ, when he put together the church, when he formed it, uh, he wants it to be a family. He wants it to be a fellowship that, you know, we care for each other as well. And so spiritual renewal is something we can do individually. It's also something we can share uh, as, again, the Passover season is approaching. We can share it with our fellow brethren as well, as we hope that they're also um, finding renewal in their spiritual walk. So the first key that's listed for spiritual renewal is to seek God and to surrender to him. And again, that makes perfect sense. Um, when you want to renew a relationship with God, you first have to seek God. And um, the proper approach to um you know, uh, uh, to coming towards the, the creator of all things, the the ruler of all, the, um, you know, the Lord of hosts, the God, our healer, the proper approach is to be surrendering to him. So point one is to seek God and surrender to him. And the first scripture that, that we have is uh, titled, this, this section is titled Following the Road to Life. And again, that reminds us immediately of of what Christ talks about, where he says that there are two roads. There's a road to destruction and a road to life. This is in Matthew seven thirteen to fourteen, and Christ says, "Choose life. You know, choose that road." And choice is something that is in our power. We see that there's these two roads before us, and we can choose to follow Christ. So the scripture reference that. Uh, we'd like to cover right now is Genesis 18 verses 20 to 33. Genesis 18 verses 20 to 33. And it says, and the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it. That's come to me. And if not, I will know. And in verse 22, then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood before the eternal and Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous in the city. Would you also destroy the place and spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? And this is interesting that Abraham had enough of a relationship with God that he's um, offering petition on behalf of those people that lived in Sodom. Specifically, he might be thinking of his nephew Lot and his family, but uh, it shows that Abraham and God have this relationship where Abraham is able to approach him and talk to God about this. And verse uh, 24, it says, Suppose there are 50 within the city, would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous would be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So Abraham employs a bit of psychology with God, and he knows that that God is righteous, and God is an awesome judge, and that we all, uh, you know, uh, you know, fall before God as our judge, and and we seek that God is going to um, be fair, 
and he's not he wouldn't destroy righteous people at the same time. And so Abraham, um, with what he knows of God, he just reminds God of of uh, these qualities that God is renowned for. And in verse 26, it says, so the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, who am, you know, I who am but dust and ashes have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy it all, all the city for the lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the forty. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed now, I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Verse 32, then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So from the point of view of spiritual renewal, one of the things that we see is that Abraham um, has this relationship with God, and so he can call on that relationship right away. So Abraham hadn't gotten far off from God, but in the in this example, in this section, we see that Sodom is the opposite, where Sodom has no relationship with God. And so what scripture is giving us is this interesting contrast between Abraham and um, and God and Sodom and God. So from this, we can learn that surrendering our lives to God leads to relationship. So Abraham was in that place of surrendering his life to God. And that gives him that relationship and it offers safety to us that in this case, Sodom didn't have. And so from the point of view of spiritual renewal, we see the importance of keeping a relationship with God. And again, the safety that we have with God isn't necessarily that he puts a hedge around us so that nothing could ever happen to us. We saw in the intercessory prayers, uh, for example, that that some bad things can happen to Church of God people as well. But the important thing is that uh, we have God that we can go to, that we can petition. And and in this particular case, surrendering our lives to God, um, as Abraham does, uh, enables us to have that relationship. A second point that's part of seeking God and surrendering to him is what's titled a time to surrender. And for this we can turn to Acts 9, verses 1 to 9. That's Acts 9, verses 1 to 9. And it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, any of those Christians, whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. So Saul is going 
for the purpose of arresting men and women and dragging them back to Jerusalem, that anyone that's a Christian is, at this point, an enemy to him. And while he was going, a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? (laughs) And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So what that's indicating is that Paul, in his life of devotion to God, uh, he was a Pharisee. He was, you know, was uh, very versed in reading scripture and zealous for God. But there must have been some some inkling things in the back having to do with Jesus. And again, Paul's approach was as a zealous as a zealous uh, follower, uh, you know, follower of God, to attack Christianity because it's um, an aberration that he he thought was. Um, was not worthy of scripture and and here we have a miracle and again the title a time to surrender here's an opportunity that god that christ is giving to paul to surrender and he says who are you lord and the lord said i am jesus who you're persecuting it's hard for you to kick against the goads so he trembling and astonished said lord what do you want me to do and in our in our spiritual renewal, that's one of the first things we should be doing as well is approaching God in prayer and asking what, what would you like me to do? What can we be doing in our, in our Christian lives to draw closer to God and also to serve God? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And then the men who journeyed with them stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So Paul was blinded by seeing this light and having this experience. And verse nine, it says he was three days without sight and he neither ate or drank. So this opportunity that was given to uh, Paul to uh, reevaluate his life and to refocus, he was told by Jesus that. This is the correct way. This is um, the add-on to the new to the Old Testament, where um, Jesus was there to reveal um, so much that that Paul was was still unaware of, and because of this miracle, Paul had this opportunity to surrender. And so, again, in our Christian walks. Uh, we understand from this example of Paul that he spent his life learning and seeking God. And here was his chance. This was a special opportunity, a special calling that was given to Paul. And in our own lives, we can perhaps look to what our calling was all about. In in my case, I was a teenager. I was uh, just about uh, uh, coming up to summer vacation and I'd sent away for booklets and and uh, reprint articles and magazines. And the first day of summer vacation was my opportunity to surrender and my opportunity to learn about God. And I spent all summer vacation. Every day I was sending two or three letters to request more booklets and more articles. And every day I'd be getting two or three packets of, of mail and, 
And for me, um, that was that was my opportunity to surrender. That was my first love experience. And it was awesome. And my mind was open to be able to understand, um, you know, all of um, all of the things that make up God's way, his laws, um, his, um, you know, the, the food laws, the, the Sabbath day, all of these things that I was able to learn about and the joy that I had from from learning. So sometimes there are special opportunities like that to surrender. For me, I had the whole summer for summer vacation, the whole summer to be able to spend uh, doing this. And so that was a great time for me to surrender. For Paul, he was struck blind. And when you can't see anything, when you're um, normally someone who has vision, um, that's an attention getter. And that got Paul's attention. And that for Paul was his time to surrender. And and that's what he did. Um, for each of us, we can look back to you know our calling as as an opportunity. And in terms of spiritual renewal, when you know when is the best time for spiritual renewal? Well, <laughs> some would say any time is the best time for spiritual renewal, and that and that's a good point. But sometimes God will work out situations um, to give us an opportunity where we can see, okay, we've gotten off track, and we need to to get back on track. And from this example of Paul, uh, we, we can see that God can create in our lives opportunities to come back to him and to surrender to him. Another example of seeking God and surrendering to him, that first key, is found in James 4, verses 7 to 9. And this section is titled, Single-Minded Devotion. In James 4, 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So this uh, passage from James it points out all of the things that are part of spiritual renewal, the idea of humbling ourselves and mourning and weeping because we got you know, separated from God and the opportunity that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And, uh, you know, what an awesome God we have because, um, you know, we, we know that, you know, in other religions, you know, if you, you know, back away from, from, the, from that God, you know, that angry God will just destroy you. Our God is a merciful God who will, if we draw near to him, he will accept our repentance and draw near to us. A second key to spiritual renewal is called seeing the truth. And the first uh, scripture has the title, Seeing Our Limitations and God's Power. And for this, if you turn to 1 Samuel 17, verses 20 to 47. 1 Samuel 17, verses 20 to 47, we'll see our limitations and God's power. Verse 20, it says, So David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. Jesse is dead. And he came to the camp, and the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. 
So this, as you might recall or might see at this point, is when David went to see the battle that was happening involving the Philistines and specifically that one giant Philistine named Samson. Not named Samson, named Goliath. <laughs> so in verse 22, it says, well, verse 21, for the for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. So you can just imagine the, you know, kind of two hills, there's a valley in between, and the armies are on either side. And verse 23, or 22, it says, David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. He spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Why were they afraid of 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 uh, Goliath, he was nine feet tall. Um, it, it's uh, it's hard to imagine someone that's so tall. And again, as a soldier, he was also uh, bulky and coordinated. And so, so uh, going against him in single man-to-man combat would be a terrifying prospect for anyone in the Israel ar- the army of Israel. And said all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be the man who kills him. The king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now his oldest brother heard, and when he spoke to the men, his anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here, and whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. And again, David was uh, probably a teenager at this point, and it's a pretty natural thing that teenagers want to, uh, you know, teenage boys want to see that kind of, uh, you know, action happening. Um, they want to see, you know, battle and and warfare. And and um, David's older brother was uh, scolding him a bit because of that. And in verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? <laughs> Is there not a cause? And they turned from him and towards another and and said the same thing. And these people answered as, as the first ones did. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they were reported to Saul. And he sent for him. Now, if you remember, Saul was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel. But he was still shorter than this giant Goliath. And he wasn't about to take on Goliath himself. And Saul said to David, verse 33, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight. For you're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. 
And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and let the Lord be with you. And in verse 38, So Saul clothed David with his armor and put on his bronze helmet, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened the sword to his armor, and he tried to walk. He had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for him himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag. And again, some might say, he only needs one stone to, to strike down the Philistine. Why did he pick five? Well, <laughs> um, just in case the first one didn't work, he was being prepared. So he um, knew how to use his sling, and he chose the you know the appropriate materials for him to go into battle. So he took his staff in his hand, and he chose himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. So Goliath was so giant that in addition to all of his armor, he had a shield bearer that would stand in front with a shield as well. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. So, interestingly, you have these two two uh, soldiers, and they're trash-talking each other. And in verse uh, 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come with a sword, spear, a javelin, and I come in the name of the Lord. Verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, all these soldiers that are lined up on the hill behind Goliath, this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assemblies shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So, from this, from this account that we have, from this example of David, we see that the truth is that we're strongest in our, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual renewal. We're strongest when we're serving and when we're yielding to God. And again, this is a story of, of the great faith that David had that God would be with him, and uh, he did prevail against
Goliath. A second account of seeing the truth, that second key of spiritual renewal, we need to see the truth, is called looking in the mirror. And that comes from James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. And James says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So in our Christian walk, <laughs> uh, we have this example from James that talks about, you know, what do you see when you look into a mirror? Hopefully, you see you see yourself the way that God sees you, and it draws you closer to God, that you want to do more for God, that you want to... Um, that you want to yield to God in his ways. That you see the truth. You see yourself as God sees you. So you know that you're not perfect. Um, and again, this example from James is something, you know, everybody has mirrors in their house. And hopefully every time that you see a mirror from now on, you'll remember what James says here. For anyone who that's a hearer of the word and not a doer is, like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the important lesson here in seeing the truth has to do with seeing ourselves, and hopefully we see ourselves the way that God sees us. And so, you know, part of our prayer to God when we're seeking this spiritual renewal is to help, ask God to help us to see ourselves as, as we are. And um, when we do that, it helps us to yield to God, to his wisdom and to his greatness. A third key of spiritual renewal is titled speaking the truth or speak the truth. And the first uh, section of scripture here is called truthful in depression. And again, you know, we, we're currently in this uh, COVID situation. It's gone on, as was said, almost a year now. And it can be a very depressing thing for, uh, for people. A depressing thing for Christians. We're not able to meet together. And, and so, um, it's an example of something that could be a burden. And there, you know, there's, uh, you know, lots of science now that's coming out that's talking about this burden, um, you know, that's caused by the measures that are taken because of, because of COVID. In Psalm 42, verses 1 to 11, we have this section that is called truthful in depression. And it says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. So here's someone that has a yearning and a love for God the psalmist, and verse 2, it says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I shall come and appear before God, you know, when shall I come and appear before God? So someone that's eager to either go to the temple to meet with God or to 
meet with God in prayer. In verse 4 it says, When I remember these things, I pour my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them into the house of God with a voice of joy and with praise, with multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. So in the past, he was able to assemble with brethren um, to go and worship God and to worship him with song and to worship with joy. And in verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Well, hope in God, for I shall praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. And again, one of the awesome things about the Psalms is the honesty of the psalmist. They're, you know, they realize that God has broad shoulders and they're not afraid to, to pour out their heart to God. And that's what God wants. And that's why we're looking at this example. Uh, part of spiritual renewal is taking even our grievances to God when we're, you know, upset about things and God can handle it. He wants, he wants to, to know you. He wants to talk to, um, you know, your inner heart. And so if there's something that's bothering you, you need to take that to God. And again, verse seven, deep calls into the deep of the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. So he's kind of blaming God a bit here. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song will be with me a prayer to the God of my life I will say to God my rock why have you forgotten me why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones my enemies reproach me and they say to me all day long where is your God why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquieted within me and here's the turning point where he goes from the complaining to uh, something more positive where he says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So again, the, the point I list in the, in the notes is that the psalmists are brutal in their honesty, but God has broad shoulders to bear it. And part of the spiritual renewal is taking those grievances to God so that you can work it out with God. And he's perfectly accepting of that. The next point in speaking the truth is found in Amos 7, verses 7 and 8. And this section is called the plumb line. And in Amos 7, 7, it says, Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on the wall, made with a plumb line, and with a plumb line in his hand. And again, as uh, many might know a plumb line is uh, um, a tool that's used by builders, and it just involves a string, and there's a, uh, a weight, could be a stone or some kind of a pointy weight. And what that does is it um, identifies exactly what's perpendicular from the ground. It's exactly 90 degrees. Uh, gravity works on that uh, on that weight, and so it'll always be a, a line of exactly 90 degrees. And so if you want a, a wall to be accurate and true, then you use a plumb line. And in verse 8, it says, And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, A plumb line. And the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not pass by them anymore. And so, so here we have um, 
you know, the, the covenant God of Israel saying that, you know, Israel has broken this covenant so much that, you know, this, this group of Israel right now, um, he's not going to pass by them anymore. He's used this, this plumb line, an honest measure, and they don't measure up. And so the, the point here when we're talking about seeing the truth is, is to don't measure with a faulty standard. You know, God will visit them with justice and not mercy at this time because they're not deserving of it. And a final uh, scripture for this section, talking about seeing the truth, is found in Galatians 6, 7 to 10. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10, and it's titled, Exposing Our Buried Sins. Verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so the, the key point here is you can't fool God. When it comes a time of spiritual renewal, don't try to hide things from God because he knows your heart. He knows you. Um, and perhaps he knows even the things that you're burying that you don't know yourself. And so sometimes what we need to pray for is for God to help us to see our sins and to help us to draw closer to him. And that's a prayer that he's anxious to grant us because he wants us to draw close to him. Another key of spiritual renewal, point number four, key number four, is to accept responsibility. In Genesis 33, verses 1 to 11, there's a section here that's titled, Facing Up to Our Wrongs, Accepting Responsibility. That's the key. Verse 1, Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. So if you remember, uh, Jacob and his brother Esau um, you know, we're both, uh, you know, uh, eager to have the birthright. Uh, it belonged to Esau and Jacob for a bowl of soup was able to um, get Esau to uh, grant him the birthright. And his mother and uh, his mother helped him deceive uh, his father so that the, that birthright blessing was given to um, to Jacob. And at that point, Jacob left. And so Esau, um, the, the concern that Jacob had was that Esau would be still mad at him for, you know, for the deception that he was involved in. And he didn't know what his brother was going to do. And sometime when we're involved in sin or we're involved in wrongdoing, um, you know, we don't know what the consequences of that are going to be. But the point that's being made here in key number four is that we need to accept responsibility. So when Jacob was ready to come home, he knew that he would have to face his brother, and he didn't know what uh, what the result of that was going to be. So he was wise about it. He he sent uh, some bands ahead that were uh, you know offer you know there to offer him um, you know gifts, um, and so his brother knew what was happening. His brother knew that he, he was coming home, um, but the scary thing for Jacob was. 
his brother Esau had a band of 400 men with him. And so, you know, concerned about his his uh, wives and children, he lined them up and, and kind of uh, put them in, in uh, we could say, an order of, uh, you know, trying to protect um, Rachel um, and Joseph the most. Um, but here's this encounter and here's this example of him accepting responsibility and meeting up with his brother, not knowing what was going to happen. And it says, he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And then he crossed over before them and bowed himself on the ground seven times until he came near his brother. Verse 4, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they all wept. So Joseph, Joseph wasn't sure if these 400 men were just there to hack them up and destroy them to destroy his family and in the act of you know bowing down before him in approaching to his brother his brother ran to him and hugged him and kissed his neck and things were okay and so in verse 5 and he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said who are these with you so he said the children whom God has graciously given your servant because again uh, uncle Esau hadn't had a chance to to know any of uh, Jacob's wives or children. And in verse uh, 6, it says, Then the maidservants came near, and their children, and they bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? These People that were sent ahead of time to provide gifts to Esau. You know, what do you mean by all this company? And he said, these were to find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Jacob was saying, you know, I was hoping that you would find favor because I was giving you these gifts. But Esau says, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please. If I now find favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand insomuch as I've not seen your face as though I see the face of God and you were pleased with me. And in verse 11, please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. And so he urged him and he took it. So years passed. There's no communication, potentially unrelenting anger and tension and anxiety. But because Jacob was facing his responsibility. He was accepting responsibility for what had happened in the past. Um, God allowed for a good result to happen and uh, uh, a reuniting of brothers. Other examples of accepting responsibility that we find in Scripture and how this ties in with our spiritual renewal is a section called Paying Our Debts, and that's found in Philemon, verses 13 to 16. So we know that uh, the book of Philemon uh, is dealing with uh, Onesimus, who's a runaway slave from Philemon. And, and Onesimus is, um, you know, he meets up with Paul and becomes a, a, a valuable assistant to Paul. And again, Paul would love to keep Onesimus with him, um, 
just to help because because uh, you know all the things that Paul is doing, he he needs helpers, and Onesimus is awesome at that. But Paul realizes that because he's a runaway slave, he needs to first you know send him back to his owner, and you know ask permission either for him to uh, come and, and uh, continue helping Paul or to stay and 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 uh, work. Uh, for Philemon. And so we have this uh, example, paying our debts, where Onesimus, um, you know, at Paul's coaxing and, and with a letter from Paul, has to now go back to the slave owner that owned him and, and uh, you know, make that situation right. And so in uh, verse 13, it says, about the runaway slave Onesimus, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. So Paul is not wanting to take away from Philemon the opportunity to do what's right. Paul wanted Philemon to make that good choice and and again, be blessed by God for making that choice, not to be compelled by Paul. And again, in verse 15, it says, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. So maybe he ran away as a slave for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So we have this example where accepting responsibility for things that happened in the past is part of uh, a spiritual renewal. We need to make make right some of these things that might have happened in the past. Um, and if you don't, then that can interfere with a relationship with God. And you know, here we have an example. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it's potentially the death penalty for Onesimus, you know, coming back as a runaway slave, but it was certainly a giant risk that he was taking. And uh, another example uh, is in the book of Jude, and this section's titled Confronting Those Who Do Wrong. And again, part of spiritual renewal. In uh, verses 20 to 22, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So here we have uh, an example where Jude is talking to us and again talking about the church being a family and that we need to watch over the spiritual renewal of our brothers as well. So as they are seeking spiritual renewal, you know, there's, he talks about making a distinction and pulling them out of the fire. So sometimes we can help rescue a brother that's in a trial. And, and, you know, what Jude is talking about is, you know, that, that, you know, spiritual renewal is not just about yourself. It's not all about me. It's about us as a church and us as a family and a fellowship together. And so um, it's not our job to be poking our nose into, you know, everybody's business, but it is our job um, to reach out and 
it talks about making a distinction. You know, sometimes there might be somebody who um, is is you know getting involved in evil, and they have no intent of changing from that. That's that's what they've decided. And, and if that's what if that's what they decided to do, there's not much that you can do about it. But in talking about making a distinction, you know, you might realize that somebody has gotten in over their head on something, and it's something that you can help them. And if you can help pull them out of the fire. That's what, what Paul is referring to here. And then talking about hating the garment defiled by the flesh kind of reminds me back to, um, uh, you know, the days of leprosy where, you know, even the, you know, the, the garments that, you know, were touching someone who was leprous were, you know, kind of were, you know, considered dangerous as, uh, you know, potentially you could catch, you know, leprosy from that. And so it talks about, uh, you know, this idea of hating the garment defiled. So anything that's involved with sin, you know, you have this, this hatred for. And so, so the important thing from the point of view of spiritual renewal is, um, confronting those who are doing wrong is not, is not, uh, a, a bad thing. It's, uh, helping your brother who's falling into sin. If that's something that you can do, then that's an awesome thing that, that, uh, uh, you can reach out and, and do that for them. Another key to spiritual renewal is titled Grieve, Forgive, and Let Go. And the first point is called Forgiving Ourselves, and that's found in John 21, verses 14 to 19. John 21, 14 to 19, and it says, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, he said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So again, this ties in with, with, um, the three, the three, um, denials where Christ said to Peter that you're going to not deny me three times even though Peter was adamant that you know I'm I'll be you know I'll be loyal to you and and I won't you know forsake you three times Peter denied him and in this key that's called grieve forgive and let go Jesus allows Peter through these three declarations of his love to you know to grieve, he felt bad that Jesus was had to do this, but it was an understanding of the forgiveness that was there, and that he could let go now that um, you know what he had done in the past. That he was an important part of of uh, Jesus' uh, group of disciples, and that he had a mission that Jesus was about to tell, tell him about here. In verse 18, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't, do not wish. Thus he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. 
And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So again, we have here the um, the example of, of uh, repentance that Peter had done and um, the opportunity that Christ gave to encourage him and even give him a, um, a view of the future to, to let him know that he would be faithful um, in the future. Uh, the next uh, uh, example of grieving and forgiving and letting go, this fifth key of spiritual renewal, is letting go of condemnation. And in 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, we have uh, an example in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul writing. And in 1 Corinthians, we remember that he singled out somebody who was to be put out of the church. And in 2 Corinthians, he's now writing about this person who he said, even though I'm not there, I'm going, you know, I can judge exactly what's, what needs to be done and, and, you know, put that person out of the church. In this section, in 2 Corinthians, we have this, uh, this concept of letting go of condemnation. And it, in verse 5, he starts and says, but if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me. But all of you, to some extent, not to be too severe, this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. So that, on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. So the man who was put out of the church in First Corinthians letter is now to be welcomed back. And again, we have this idea of letting go of condemnation. And as a key to spiritual renewal, it's the key of grieving, forgiving, and then letting go. So um, that is, uh, is Paul's uh, admonition here. And in 2 Corinthians 7, Paul gives us another one, where 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 to 11, it says that sorrow can be good for us. Once again, this idea of grieving as being part of the repentance that leads us in our spiritual renewal. So 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 to 11, it says, For even as I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you! What clearing of yourselves! What indignation! What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So um, the point that Paul makes is that uh, renewal from godly sorrow is it, it's it's naturally there. Um, godly sorrow is and that repentance is going to draw you closer to God. Key number six. In 
the keys of spiritual renewal is to transform your life. First section is titled The Faith to Enter the Promised Land. So Joshua, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, it says, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of, of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, this is God talking to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. Everyone that place the sole of your foot, I will tread upon. Um, I've given it to you. I've given you all of this land from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll be, it'll make your way to be very prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as uh, <laughs> you know, having God uh, tell you that, I'm sure, was incredibly encouraging to Joshua. It would help him to have courage and faith in, in going forward into the promised land. And um, and to us as Christians, it provides a great example of, of the encouragement that God gives us. Um, and we see, you know, that the encouragement God gave Joshua. And then in the New Testament, we have similar encouragement that God gives to us. Um, promises um, to be with us, to strengthen us, and, um, you know, to not give us a trial that we can't endure. You know, we have all of these promises from God. And because he's a great God, it makes it easy for us to want to seek renewal with him. To skip ahead now to the seventh key of uh, spiritual renewal, it's it's uh, called preserving spiritual gains. So in our Christian walk, once we've obtained some spiritual gains in our lives, we don't want to lose those things. So the first one is titled A Day of Rest from Exodus 31, verses 12 to 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you will keep. For it's a sign between you and me uh, throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So God gives us a weekly break, a renewal to link us with a God of creation who rested. And that's one of these spiritual gains that we have in our lives that we don't want to give up. So you know, continue to keep the Sabbath. It's a sign between God and us that that uh, you know, we worship the God of Israel. Another scripture is titled, Waiting for the Lord to Renew Us. And that's from Isaiah 
40, verses 28 to 31. And it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. We might remember that this was uh, read earlier uh, in the service. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Young people get tired, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So scripture reveals so many awesome things about our God. So, of course, we're going to seek renewal. And he is going to renew our strength and our energy. And a final scripture, uh, Living Testimony, is what it's titled. And it comes from 1 Timothy 4, verses 14 to 16. So Paul is talking to Timothy, a young minister, and Paul gives this encouragement where he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying out of hands of the eldership. So again, we're talking about spiritual renewal. We're talking about holding on to the spiritual gains that we've made in life. And that's what Paul's saying is, you know, don't neglect that gift. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. So the, the, acknowledge, the, the encouragement that we're given here as members of, of God's church is to you know, hang on to those things that we have and also to not neglect our spiritual gifts because it's in those spiritual gifts that we can give to uh, others in the church. And so, the, you know, the gifts, the spiritual gifts from, from God's Holy Spirit allow us to bless and to help uh, others in the church. So they're not necessarily just given, you know, to us for our benefit. As we talked about from the beginning, uh, spiritual renewal is something that's personal, but it's also something that we as a body, as a family, and as a fellowship, want to be encouraging and helping each other as well. So in closing, the spiritual renewal can certainly uh, Im- can certainly involve more than these seven keys, but these seven keys are a great start. I appreciate the Spiritual Renewal Study Bible for pointing out these keys or themes and for the many scriptures that give us great examples of seeking God. As we continue to par- prepare for Passover, We hope that the restrictions will lift and allow some of us to be able to meet together uh, to worship the Lamb of God and to celebrate Jesus' victory over death. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Jim. And as you said in your sermon, this is just a great beginning. The seven points is obviously not all that it is, but I think it's seven points is so much for us. And I, I just hope and wish that Every single one of us, if you just actually just zoom in, just one, if you just take one apart, the one that is closest to your heart, if you just concentrate, fully concentrate and take into your heart heart and into your control, just the one point that you mentioned from now for the next 40 days before the Passover, I think we will have a great impact, not just on our, our lives individually, but also collectively. 
So thank you so much, Pastor Jim, for your hard work and sharing your message with us today. And at this moment, we just have a closing prayer, and then we'll have a closing hymn. And we'll, and we'll have to say goodbye to all of you for another week and to some of you till Wednesday Bible study. So just bow your heads. Loving God and Father, as we hear this message today, and the subject of renewal is very difficult now to imagine as we live into the dead of this winter, that it's cold, it's horrible, it's difficult to get outside. And we just think that spring, the coming of renewal, is just so far away. But as you are teaching us through your seasons that you give, give us, every single one of us, at the end of every dead and cold winter comes spring, a renewal to a new life. Just like in the phases of our moon, as this moon, it's renewed each and every month. Father, the same, you're looking for our renewal. And I know that every time is a good time to come close in your relationship with you. But Father, specifically, I think the most important point will be from right now before the Passover. So thank you so much, Father, for this message that you hear today. And I hope and in pray that it will help us to get ourselves ready for this great day. We'll just renew our spirit. And Father, thank you for another week. Thank you so for so many wonderful blessings that we have. And we thank you, Father, for all single one of them. And we ask you, Father, for all single one of them in other name. But Jesus Christ's name, amen. So, brother, thank you so much for joining us here for another week. God be with you. And we'll finish here with the last closing hymn on page 199, Showers of Blessing. May God bless you all.